This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, all eight playoff teams have secured their spot and the Buffalo Bandits will be the number one seed overall. Week 19 gives us a plethora of goals. The number one seed in the West is still up for grabs and Mondays are going to see some playoffs. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the show here on SoundCloud, the Lacrosse Flash, iTunes, wherever you happen to be getting your lacrosse information on this beautiful Tuesday here in Victoria, BC. The rain is gone. The sun is out. My legs are getting a little less white. Probably didn't need that visual, but hey, it's radio, so sometimes it's nice to imagine. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me at the show, super easy. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Um, some news that's been going around the lacrosse world. The PLL is going to have their first collegiate draft on NBC. Uh, the players, Rabel, um, a bunch of the people were behind the scenes uh, this past weekend at the NBC studios checking it all out. Uh, that's going to be uh, an awesome scene to see pro lacrosse having a draft on network television on NBC. That partnership, um, NBC and the PLL, will be one that I'm sure the National Lacrosse League will keep its eye on just to see how well they do uh, on network television. Because I know uh, fans of the NLL and the NLL itself would love to get back on a TV. Um, so this might be something they keep an eye on. Obviously, if you're watching the San Diego-Colorado uh, game on Friday night, you heard Paul Rabel uh, join the broadcast just talking about everything that they're doing. So obviously the National Lacrosse League and the PLL um, have formed a bit of an alliance, as it were. Obviously the relation that... Joe Sy has with the San Diego Seals and the PLL is probably helping that relationship move along. Uh, we'll see what comes of it. I'm not sure we'll see too much working together uh, right now, uh, but just interesting to see how much the two sides are working together as it is because we're already seeing them collaborate more than the NLL and MLL ever did. So uh, that's just some news. Obviously, news worldwide for National Lacrosse League fans. Uh, the NLL has powered, or sorry, has partnered with a new company that's going to allow all games to be broadcast outside of North America for the rest of the season. So that's huge for everybody outside of North America. They're partnering with FanSeat to live stream all remaining games, including the playoffs. So if you are in Europe, if you're in Asia, Australia, wherever you may be, uh, you're now going to be able to watch the National Lacrosse League, which you hadn't been able to do all year long, but uh, happy to see it. They've rectified that. Fingers crossed that when we get to 2019-2020, fans outside of North America will be able to watch all games and not just playoff games, as it were. So as we sit, we are 19 of 20 weeks done in the National Lacrosse League season. And thankfully, we've got some things to play for in week 20. And that always makes things a little more entertaining going into that final week, because if there was nothing to play for, 
if all seeds had been locked in, first round playoff matchups were set, week 20 would be a little lackluster. But we got to decide who's going to host that Georgia-Toronto game. We got to figure out who's going to win the West. We got to figure out who's going to finish 2-3 in the West. Who's Colorado going to face in that first round of playoffs? Where are the Mammoth going on the road? Tons still to be decided, but week 19, oh boy, did we see some goals in week 19, and I thought this late in the season was so much on the line for so many teams still, not really just one team, I guess, or two teams as it were, that we would see some tighter defensive efforts, and we saw some of it from some of the teams, and most of those teams are heading to the playoffs. Some other teams didn't exactly have the greatest offensive outputs, nor did they have the greatest defensive outputs. Three teams put up plus 18 goals or more. Calgary had 18. Rochester had 18. Philly had 19. Philadelphia may be the more interesting one because they put it up on Georgia, who are still without Mike Poulin. Uh, Rochester at the end of the year, are starting to become the hottest team in the National Lacrosse League. Just really poor timing for the Nighthawks. They've now won 14 straight. They hung up 19, sorry, yeah, they hung up 18 on Vancouver as they officially eliminated the Warriors from the playoffs, doing the Mammoth a favor in the process. And then Calgary hung up 18 on Saskatchewan, which has a lot of people, including Pat Gregoire, who we'll talk to in a little bit, thinking that the Calgary Roughnecks are a bit of a wagon in the West. And with Saskatchewan, San Diego, and Calgary all vying for that top spot out West, the last games in the West are going to be very interesting. Colorado's in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan wins, they'll take the number one seed. Buffalo is in San Diego. San Diego wins, they'll take the number two seed if Saskatchewan wins. If Saskatchewan loses, San Diego wins. Seals take number one. Rush take number two. And there is still a chance, I believe, for Calgary to get that number one spot. Correction, as I look right now, Calgary can only get a home playoff game with a Seals win and a rush loss, which would leave them to finish second. Seals clinch with a win and a Sask loss. Sask can clinch with a win over Colorado or a Seals loss versus Buffalo. Everything in the East is decided, I believe, except for who will finish 2-3. And once again, I stand corrected. Toronto cannot get a home playoff game. Uh, it is going to be Buffalo, Georgia, Toronto, New England in the West. So that is all pretty much set up. Even if Toronto wins their last game, they'll be 12-6. and six. Georgia will be 12-6. and six, But Georgia won two of the three meetings between the two clubs. So they give that gives them the tiebreaker. So uh, we know pretty much everything in the East now that I have corrected myself three different times. Um, but in the West, that is where all the confusion still lies. But pretty simple. Saskatchewan wins or San Diego loses. The Rush take number one. Rush lose. San Diego wins. Seals take number one. And then finally, 
if the Seals win and the Rush lose, Calgary would take that number two seed. So um, we've got some different scenarios. Uh, we'll let those all play out, but um, it's getting heated in the West come week 20, and that's really what everybody wishes for, a little drama in that final weekend. Your games in week 20, uh, they start Friday, Toronto at Vancouver, New England at Rochester on Saturday, Colorado at Saskatchewan, Buffalo at San Diego, and that will wrap it all up for the regular season. Playoffs starting next weekend, and we've already heard that both Georgia and San Diego, due to, I think, like Disney on ice or something, um, those two teams will host their first-round playoff games on a Monday. That is correct. First-round games will be on a Monday. Never seen it before in the National Lacrosse League. We've seen Thursdays. We've seen Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. I don't think we have ever had a Monday game in this National Lacrosse League. I'm sure Graham Perrow uh, will look that up right now for me and let me know ASAP. But I can't remember ever there being a Monday game in the National Lacrosse League. And with so many guys having to book around Friday at work, I wonder how tough it will be for players to book Monday and maybe even Tuesday off of work. So logistically, we could see some players missing due to work schedules. Now, I'm sure that's not what the National Lacrosse League or any of their teams would like, but I guess when you are the third tenant in some arenas and dates are already booked, sometimes you get the short end of the straw and that means we're going to get a case of the Mondays times two next weekend for the playoffs, which in turn then makes it a short week for, for a couple of those teams, depending on when this, the divisional final games will be. Imagine if you got to play Monday, Friday. That's possible. And again, makes for a very short trip, makes for a very short work week. And doesn't give teams a lot of times to prepare moving forward. However, these are the best of the best heading into the playoffs. So it wouldn't surprise me if teams were going to be as sharp as possible. And you know what? Sometimes when you do have a short week, your team does play better just because less time off between sticks in hands and feet on turf. So it uh, be interesting to see how those games play out. Um, but that's still 13 days away. As mentioned, Pat Gregoire will join us in a little bit to talk about the possibility that the Calgary Roughnecks are a wagon in the West. But before we get to him, we should talk about one of the leaders of that wagon. That's Dane Doby. In the past few weeks, you've heard me talk about his successes on the floor and his search to pull off the trifecta point scoring lead, goal scoring lead, and assist scoring lead. He leads all three. He's got a 10-point lead for overall points, a four-goal lead in the goals, and a four, sorry, a three-assist lead in the assist total. Unfortunately, Calgary doesn't play any more games, so Lyle Thompson and Dane Smith can really, actually Lyle can't, they've done all the games, so it's just up to Dane Smith right now 
who, if he gets four assists, he ruins all the fun of this. Really, he would ruin all the fun. Because going back, I can't ever remember seeing a player win all three. Graham Perro, I think, said one of the gates did it back in the mid-90s. Uh, maybe even 2002, somebody might have done it. Obviously, uh, NLL stats are hard to find going back that far, especially past 2005. Um, but let's call it, in recent memory, nobody's done it. Junior came close a few years back. Um, but I think it will be remarkable if Dane Doby can pull this off. And the season that he has had, uh, no Dixon to start, no Berg all season, no King to start. Um, the team didn't get off to a great start, but the one consistency throughout their whole season has been Dane Doby. And he has been incredible. He has been everything that they had hoped him to be. And I swear he must have found the John Grant, John Tavares fountain of youth because as he's getting older, he's seemingly getting better. And he is having a career year in 2019. Um, most goals he's had, most assists, most points. He's never broken the 100-point barrier. He's only gotten above 90 once, and that was back in 2014. So now five years later, he's having the best year of his career. And it's just absolutely phenomenal to watch. I don't see... Who upseeds him for MVP across the board? Uh, you have some options, but I think Callum Crawford has dropped off. Um, I think Matt Vince is up there, but I just don't know if he has put up um, the season that Dane Doby has missing players like Dane Doby has. I think Lyle Thompson's probably in that category, uh, but he has dropped off a bit. So Dane Doby is who I would pick as MVP. Would Dane Doby pick himself as MVP? We'll ask him that and more as he joins us now on the show. Dane, how are you, my man? Good, Teddy. How are you? Uh, I cannot complain. You're stuck in Vancouver traffic. How's that for you? I got a quick commute home, so it's not bad. No, you're not, you know, stuck in there for 45 minutes honking horns and flashing signals? No, I'm not downtown, so I'm in Burnaby. <laughs> not yeah. bad. That's good. Uh, how is work these days, Monday to Friday? Keeping you busy? Yeah, it's busy. Busy life at home during the week. You know, I go to work and then got a kid at home. So yeah, and then got some junior junior practices to get to nowadays. Yes, we are going to talk about that. Uh, how was the junior situation? Because Langley's supposed to be a pretty darn good team this year. Yeah, we have a whole bunch of fifth year kids, returning kids, and uh, I think there's a good core there that's been there for for a long time now, and. Kind of, uh, I'm, I got the same coaching staff back. Um, I just joined them, um, but mm -hmm. uh, they know the kids really well, and we've been going pretty steady for two months now. So the season yeah. starts this Friday. How, how much different is it coaching in BC than it is coaching in Alberta? I think numbers. Yeah, I think numbers is the big one. To be honest with you, uh, we have we've had good numbers out here so far, and in Alberta we struggled for some numbers early in the season at least and then uh but other than that you know the same age group same same caliber i think alberta has has gained a lot of ground on uh ontario and bc in the past few years so i think it's uh i know the okotoks team that i was with a few years ago is going to have a really good team again this year so 
um, and then the two Edmonton teams went together. So I don't think there's too much too much difference. Are they that much closer, and how far away are they from winning that first game against, you know, to get them into, you know, a Minto final? You know what? It's hard to say, to be honest with you. It's, you know, Junior A is a – it's kind of a tough. It's a kind of a tough one. Um, I think there's a lot bigger pools in the in the East and the West, and there's a lot right. more players, variety of players to choose from. Um, Calgary has two teams, and um, they're both very competitive. They're always competitive with each other. Then Edmonton combined the teams, so I'm sure they're going to be right up there in the next couple of years as well. But how far they are off, I still I still truly believe that 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 it comes down to imports and all that kind of stuff, and who you can yeah. bring in and 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 to top your top 25 off and hopefully go in there with a full strong lineup. How important for Alberta lacrosse has the introduction of Saskatchewan been? For the junior system or the... Yeah, yeah for the junior system. Yeah, the, they came in. Uh, you know, Randy Randy runs a pretty tight ship over there. He fought pretty hard for them to get a junior A team. And uh, I think they won the Bs the year yeah. before they came into the A. And they had, uh, last year they sent two of their kids to Coquitlam, or was it two years ago, I think they sent two of their kids to Coquitlam. So um, they got, uh, they're very talented, to be honest with you. And, and, and talk about work ethic, those kids bring out work, work ethic every every game. And yeah. if you don't yeah. bring your A game, you can, you can lose them for sure. So um, I think they're right there. I don't think they're quite as player personnel. I don't know if they got the quite the talent as, as Alberta does right now, but I think they're they're right there in the mix. Um, and I think they if they want to be a junior A community, and they deserve to be because they're putting in the effort and putting in the time to do it. You've obviously seen the growth of Alberta in your, your 12 years with the Riggers. How much has it grown? Because now we're starting to see the trickle-down effect of kids that were your ball boys a decade ago now in the National Cross League. The girls? No, the, the boys. Girls. Oh, the boys? Yeah. yeah, the boys, I, I, I was with the Midgets the last two years. Uh, I helped pick the team last year, and I coached them two years ago for the Nationals. And it's incredible, the the talent that's, that's coming up. Um, kids love lacrosse, and they always have their stick in their hands out there. And um, I think the guys that are doing the, the elite programs with uh, Jeff in the South, and Jeff and uh, Jeff Snyder and Jesse Fair, and then you got Paul Rye and Jimmy Quinlan up in the north. Um, I think they're growing the game drastically, and CLA's maybe not numbers so much. The numbers are trying to stay pretty even, but uh, I think the talent pool is, is definitely growing, and it's a it's a great province, and uh, the kids love to play the game, and they're all ears. I coach the midgets, and like they're all ears, and all they want to do is improve their game. There's, uh, I think that midget team I coached two years ago. I think there's probably 14 or 50 of them playing junior A last year, so wow. that's that's definitely a, that's definitely good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, the Calgary Roughnecks are going to finish third in the NLL West. You guys don't play any more games for the playoffs. Uh, how would you grade your guys' season this year? Bit of an up and downer. You've had some players in and out of the lineup. Uh, where would you grade your guys' season in 2019? Uh, it's tough to it's tough to say. We've had we've dealt with adversity. We've been up and down. We've been inconsistent at times. Um, I would yeah. Give it a letter grade. I'd probably give it a B, uh, yeah. somewhere around there, because we have we have had really good moments, um, and then we've had really poor moments. And, but the best thing to take away right now is that 
our good moments have been as, as of late, and I think we're starting to move in the right direction. And hopefully, we can just uh, bring these last couple games and keep improving and, and bring that into the playoffs. Of you guys have won your last three games to end the season. Would you have rather this bye week not happen? It's such a it's such a touchy subject uh, with that kind of thing. Uh, I never like bye weeks to be honest yeah. with you, unless I have something broken in my body. But <laughs> um, I prefer just to keep playing. But there's yeah. a lot of guys that that get nicked up near the end of the year and get nicked up through an 18 game schedule that really enjoy the rest and really enjoy taking a week off and and be able to rest your body and be able to come out 100% instead of 90% the following week. So me personally, I like just going, um, yeah. but that's, that's just my standpoint. And there's another 25 guys that may think differently than me. I'd rather play 18 games in 18 weeks, but right, yeah. I, don't, I don't think many guys want to do that. <laughs> um, have you found John Tavares' fountain of youth? Because you seem to be getting better each year. I think he had he played an extra 13 years than I right now. So, <laughs> he's doubled you up. Yeah, I think he stopped when he was 45. I'm not sure in that in the NLL, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think it was 42 I, or 43. Yeah, I don't think it's even comparable. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't like talking about that. And he's uh, he's one of a kind, and I don't think anybody's ever going to be even close to him. So yeah, I just uh, try to prepare myself as best I can and. You know, this year's been, I've stayed healthy, knock on wood, and and stuff's kind of fallen into place for me. But uh, there, then again, it's just constantly trying to trying to improve your game and get better and do the best you can to get get your body back into, into playing shape when it's, when it's time and try to stay healthy. Obviously, you, your guys' season started with no Jesse King, no Westberg, no Curtis Dixon. You've gotten two of those three back. How has their addition to this club helped you guys in the last few months? Well, Curtis Dixon is Curtis Dixon, and everybody yeah. knows that. Uh, he's been with us. I think I've played with him for 10 years now or upwards to it. Um, he's fantastic. He's, he's, he's a leader, yeah, to be honest with you. He's, he's a guy that everybody goes off of. He scores big goals in the past. He always gets big goals, and he always shows up to play in those big games. And um you know, when that, when anything's not going right, you throw the ball to Curtis and anything can happen. And, and everybody knows that and everybody in the league knows that. He draws a lot of attention from other teams. And, um, I think he just makes everybody around him better. And I think that's something he's been doing, improving on every single year he's played in this league. Is Every year he comes in and he just makes everybody that much more better around him. And yeah. if he keeps going on this pace, it's going to be uh, near the end of his career. He's going to be very, very dangerous. And he already is. 100%. And then, obviously, Jesse King coming in late um, hurts his knee in that preseason game. You don't see him until uh, these last two weekends. But he's been chomping at the bit to get in your lineup. He's been around your club quite a bit. Uh, how nice was it to see him back out on the floor, smiling and scoring goals for you? Yeah, for sure. And I, I never really knew Jesse too well before. Uh, I shot him a message once we traded Holden um, for, for him, and we touched base, and then we met at camp, and I think he was two weeks in when he when he got hurt, and um, then he kind of he was at home for a while, um, had to you know had to take care of himself. So uh, we touch base still once in a while, but you know he's just a, he's a great kid and he cares about the game. Uh, he loves playing lacrosse, and you could tell he just uh, wants to do anything he can to to help to help out the team. And I'm a big I'm a big guy for that. He he's uh, what he brings on the floor is 
I, I haven't seen her played with somebody like that before, to be honest with you. He's, he's a big body, and he's got smooth hands, uh, real mm-hmm. nice hands, and he's very, very intelligent. And um, Now I know why he's so, uh, so beneficial, and I've watched him play for years, and, you know, in Georgia and Victoria, and I can't say enough about him, and I think he's only going to get better. And uh, I got a good left side that I – that I don't think any lefty in the league would like to play with. So uh, I, I'm uh, fortunate enough to play with, with him and uh, the other two. Absolutely. Um, Kurt Malofsky said post-game that at one point during the game, he looked up to the rafters and he saw 17 and 9 up there and he wondered where the heck they were going to put 44. What would it mean to you if your number was retired by the Roughnecks? Um, it would mean, obviously, the, the world, right? And, and that's something I can think of when uh, when it comes down the line, to be honest with you. I'd rather see it, to be honest with you, I'd rather trade it in, in any day for for another couple banners up there that have a championship on them, to be completely honest with you. And that's why uh, that's why all these guys play this game and play play these uh, team sport games is, is to win championships together because you'll never forget the memories when you're with the guys that you won championships with. And um, It's just something that gained over my career, I guess. I played in one city. I played in one location. Um, I'm grateful for the Roughnecks uh, to, to keep me around this long and, mm-hmm. and not ship me off anywhere else. I'm just going to play out my career and see, see what happens. And if that comes down the line, that comes down the line. And like I said, I, it would be uh, the icing on the cake for sure. But I'd really like to uh, put a couple more championship banners up there in a world that's uh, kind of the goal that I'm looking at. Absolutely. Um, you are a very team first guy, but what would it mean to you um, if your peers voted you MVP? <laughs> I don't even know how that works, Teddy, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, the, the players in this league are, you know, I can name 15 of them right now. So yeah. it, it's funny. And everybody's so tight. And any given day, anybody can go off or anything. So. Uh, just to have a consistent year um, and help benefit our team to, to win some games is, is, is good for me. And Piers holding the MVP right on, that's great. And like I said, I'll go back to the same same thing I said before. I'll throw an MVP, I'll throw the ban- I'll throw the retired jersey or whatever that away right now if you can put a couple more banners in the crowd for, for championships. And I know the city, the city really deserves it in Calgary. They've backed us for ever since I've been here. And I know the, the guys on our team are, are itching at it to get a to get a crack at this playoff. So I think we've got a good lineup here, and we're just excited to go into uh, wherever we've got to play in a couple weeks here and try and try and start the playoffs off right. Before I let you go, how did a young kid from Alora, Ontario, make it all the way to Burnaby? That's actually a funny story. Uh, my one of my, my best buddy Jamie Lincoln actually came uh, yeah. moved to Elora moved to Elora and Pee Wee or Bantam Lacrosse and out of Elora we had a junior B community which was uh, we actually had a very good junior B team with Casey Burns Jamie Rooney Rob Marshall oh, all wow. those guys played junior B in Elora so there's a lot of uh, Elora around Elora guys that play in this league yeah. but uh, Jamie got uh, drafted by Brampton and then got recruited by my by mouse in uh burnaby and uh lincoln's old man told him uh that uh he should invite me out for a tryout so mouse kind of gave us a ring and invited me out and 
that was kind of that, to be honest with you. I came out here, I gave her a whirl, and I stuck it out. I played two years of junior B, then I played three years of junior A out here. And uh, thanks to them, I still thanks to this day that I got I got a crack at it, and I've yeah. been with Mouse ever since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys are like time. two peas in a pod now. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time. Since 2005. Yeah, Jamie Shuchuk never lets me live down the fact that you guys were all Burnaby Lakers together. Yeah, I live with Shuchuk was my uh, my roommate actually. Yeah, I live with him. I know. We were, we were bunk buddies for three straight years, <laughs> two straight years. Yeah. Those were yeah. some good times. So I remember, you know, I came into junior the first part of that dynasty uh, in the late '90s, and you were kind of in in the mid 2000s, sort of near the tail end of that. What do you remember most? Because those were some damn good lacrosse clubs. With Burnaby? Yeah. Oh, I just, you know, to be honest, I tell all the kids, even when I coach, junior A is the best time of, of playing lacrosse of your life. You really don't have any worries other than really playing lacrosse. You go, you go to a job, you work a little bit here and there, you don't have to really worry too much, and you just go out there and love the game, and all the guys are all together, and they just love playing the game. And I was fortunate enough to play on a – pretty much a dynasty that was for, for 10 straight years or whatever it yeah. was. Um, but I came in and I had great, I had all the Geiches there and you know, we all lived at their yeah. houses for a little bit. And it was just, it was just, just something special to be honest with you. We, we just came out here and we just worked our tail off. Like we didn't put the work in and we got uh, upset a couple of mentos there, which was heartbreaking, but fortunately I got to win one and, you know, I'll never forget it. And, to this day, I'll still remember exactly who was on my team and championships. You can never, you'll never forget. There's nothing better than when a championship playing lacrosse. So it was just an exciting moment, and I loved loved everything about junior A. Dane, always a pleasure, my man. Uh, great catching up. But safe drives, and uh, we'll talk soon, man. All the best the rest of the year. Yeah, thanks, Teddy. Have a good one. There he is. That's Dane Doby of the Calgary Roughnecks. Just what he has done this year. I'm just going to say it again. What he has done. This season for the Calgary Roughnecks really can't go unrecognized. He's been with his team the entire time in his National Lacrosse League career, ever since 2008 when he was a young rookie, just played five games. And even in those five games, he had seven points. And that just kind of started a trend for Dane Doby. His first full season in the National Lacrosse League, he put up 76 points. 41-35 for a total of 76 That's a fantastic first full season. And now in his 12th full season, on the verge of picking up his first NLL MVP award. And I think it couldn't go to a better guy having a greater season. Again, I know people will look at Miles Thompson, or sorry, Lyle Thompson. Some people look at Matt Vince in Buffalo. But I just think what Dane has done with the absence of Berg, with the late starts by Dixon and King, that what he has done by himself with that offense is just absolutely phenomenal. So uh, thanks to Dane Dovey for stopping by. Uh, Good luck to him this summer in Langley, coaching that junior club who is supposed to be a really, really talented junior club um, as they kind of try and become the first team to really upseat the Coquitlam Adnacks, Pat Coyle and his group obviously know Christian Del Bianco for the junior A's this year. So it's going to be um, a little different looking Coquitlam team. And in talking to a lot of people, that Langley Club seems to be a team that could get it done. So uh, again, thanks to Dane Doby. Uh, good luck 
the rest of the way. But as we mentioned, Calgary um, going to finish third most likely uh, in the National Cross League West. So they'll go on the road uh, as will Colorado. We just don't know who's going to finish one or two, Saskatchewan or San Diego. But the Buffalo Bandits will be the number one seed overall. And I think we have to give some credit where credit is due with that club. I mean, all season long, they have been looking and playing like the team to beat overall in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, they continue to put up a plethora of goals. They're the second highest scoring team in the National Lacrosse League with a game to play still at 226. So they'll probably surpass Georgia. They'll have uh, the most goals for. They continue to stymie teams defensively with their fast-paced, high-intensity style of lacrosse. And when you have to go through Buffalo for every game in the playoffs, it's going to make it that much harder. So New England in that first game, going to be a bit behind the eight ball. Whether it's Georgia or Toronto, if Buffalo wins, going to be behind a bit of the eight ball. And whoever comes out of the West, same thing. While a lot of people may not say that home floor advantage has a big meaning uh, in playoff series, I think when it's a one-game playoff, home floor advantage means that much more. Obviously, the finals will be a two of three, so both teams will get a home game. But in those first two rounds, the divisional semifinals and finals, home floor is going to be massive for every team. And so if you can clinch one of those home floor spots, I think you're going to be in prime position to move along. Now, last weekend, um, I mentioned that it was a shame that Saskatchewan didn't have any weaknesses. And when I was saying that, you know, it's a bad thing for the rest of the National Lacrosse League clubs because Saskatchewan was playing at such a high level. Well, the Calgary Roughnecks brought them down to earth in a heartbeat this past weekend. 18-8 to was the final score on Saturday night uh, in Calgary. Calgary had eight goals by the end of the first quarter. They had pretty much put that game away 51 seconds into the second quarter, if you think about it. But that has probably got to be one of the worst halves I've seen the rush play since moving from Edmonton to Toontown. Five goals in the first half. Only three goals in the second half. But a team that just didn't seem to have it from the jump. And they allowed Evan Kirk to start, but he obviously isn't back to 100%. They gave Adam Shute the rest of the game. Uh, he held the fort, giving up eight goals in just 42 minutes. But when you give up 10 goals in 18 minutes, your team is kind of behind the eight ball. So it'll be interesting to see how Saskatchewan bounces back this weekend against Colorado at home. Obviously still lots to play for for the Saskatchewan rush. And they're going to need a huge performance from Adam Shute if Evan Kirk still isn't ready. Now, some news came out on Tuesday that Evan Kirk is not going to be playing summer ball for Peterborough. I don't think that really has anything to do with the injury that he's dealing with right now. But they are going to need Evan Kirk to be at the peak of his game if they are going to have a hope of going the distance. That's not a knock on Adam Shoot. I just think they are a better team with Evan Kirk between the pipes. Although, in their last few games, Adam Shute has done everything in his power to lead them to victories. 
And so again, we get to the conversation, are goaltenders that play for the rush the product of the defense in front of them or are they actual good goaltenders? Yes, they are all good goaltenders. But I think the way that this team plays defensively and how strongly they play defensively and they do an incredible job of putting players in difficult positions and they put them on the back foot. They call, they do everything in the power to cause turnovers. And when that is the case and when the defense is playing at such a high level, their goaltenders don't generally have to do a lot of work. And so if they are creating poor looks for shooters, it's usually a good look for a goaltender. And that's why I think a lot of their goaltenders from Aaron Bold to Kirk and now Adam Shute have often looked quite well. And then sometimes when they get exposed playing for other teams, everyone sort of sees the reason why. So it'll be interesting to see how this club plays this weekend with home floor advantage in the West playoffs on the line if they come out with a strong performance. they 90% of the time when they're at home, they play incredible games. It, this was just a bit of a blip on the radar for a road game. Obviously not the way they wanted to end their road schedule. Um, but they still can look forward and move on. If that was the last game of the year, it might have been a bit of a concern. But since they have one more game left then before the playoffs, I think Derek Keenan and that group will just kind of put that game behind them, not really look at it too much, and move on from there. They got bigger and better things to focus on. Speaking of the Calgary Roughnecks, they are a bit of a wagon right now. And they have become a team to be reckoned with in the NLL East. They, too, have won three in a row. And they're starting to play that kind of Kurt Miloski ball that has been a bit of a stereotype of their teams in the past. Fast, physical, aggressive, full of transition opportunities, and then an offense that just is relentless on teams. Again, 18 on Saskatchewan this past weekend. And now that Curtis Dixon is comfortable in that offense, now that Dane Doby continues to play well, the addition of Jesse King, their offense seems to be playing at a seamless pace. How about this? Curtis Dixon in 14 games has 81 points. 81 points in 14 games. That's just under six points a game. If he had played every single game for the season for Calgary, he'd have 104 points. Those first four games missing them were tough, but he was doing it for the right reasons for him. I respect that. I get that. But just imagine if he had been able to play every single game this year. He probably would have had his third 100-point National Lacrosse League season. But the fact that he is playing at a level that he is along with the likes of Dixon, sorry, of Dobie and Dutch and Taylor and Lowen and Pace when he's in there and now Jesse King, this offense is starting to become something to be very, very afraid of. And when you get Christian Del Bianco starting to solidify his role between the pipes 
and start the transition game that he did for three assists this past weekend against Saskatchewan, every team has to be very wary of those Calgary Roughnecks. We're going to ask how dangerous the Roughnecks can be to Pat Gregoire as we join him now for a chat with Pat. Every week, we take a peek around the NLL. So many stories to tell. Let's hope our guest gives us more than stats. It's time for a chat with Smoke Game Pat. Uh, yes, it is a chat with Smoke and Pat. We've been teasing him all day, and now he joins us on the show. But let's all give Pat a little space. Let's give him some room to breathe. It is game seven, Leafs, Bruins. He may be on suicide watch. How you doing, Pat? <laughs> Not so great after that introduction. Uh, but, what uh, Why? What was wrong with I finally started to calm down. Oh, thinking about game seven. Yeah. I was ready to take a break from my stress, talk about mm-hmm. a little lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And then you just had to uh, bring me back to reality, uh, get me thinking about all those great memories that I have in Boston for game seven. So thank you. Mean, like that, when right? the Leafs had a 4-1 lead in game seven and then lost it? That, that would be one of them. That would oh, be one okay. of them. Yeah. Just, check, just checking. Just checking. Hey, just so we're clear, the Oilers aren't in the playoffs, so all I can do is make fun of you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, do they win tonight? Oh, gosh. Uh, Does William Nylander show up and score a goal? I, I think the first part maybe is a little more believable like, than Nylander <laughs> showing up. Uh, but you know what? I, I, this is going to be bad if it comes out But <laughs> after. But I think they get it done. I think they get over the hump. I think John Tavares has a big game. Uh, he's been... I don't want to say invisible this series because he's been pretty good defensively, uh, but the Leafs didn't pay all that money for uh, a pretty good defensive player. They pay yeah. for a guy to put the puck in the net in big situations, and uh, I think that happens tonight, and the Leafs finally slay the dragon. No, really, we're talking slay the dragon like it's something that's never happened before? Is this Canucks Blackhawks 2010? <laughs> Come on. I mean... It's 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 a dragon for us, all right. Yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. Um, the National Cross League is just a week away from starting the playoffs. Uh, we know the four teams in the East. We know the four teams in the West. We pretty much know how things are going to break down in the East. How do you like those first round matchups? Buffalo, New England, Georgia, Toronto. You know what? I think uh, obviously there was at some points where we saw the the standings kind of shuffle up and down but I do think that this is the closest to what we have of a true representation of these four teams Uh, I think you know you can make a case for Georgia being the best team in the east uh, but I think we've got ourselves some some really strong matchups I think that both games uh, you know are going to be close uh, especially Georgia Toronto I think that that has the uh the potential to be an instant classic. And I do think Buffalo, New England, although uh, New England probably has had two of the worst against Buffalo this season, uh, I think if all goes well and, and they can play almost a perfect game plan, uh, they could potentially be, be on upset alert. Are you picking the Black Wolves, uh, Patrick? 
Absolutely not. No, okay. <laughs> I'm still I'm I'm still taking the Bandits. But <laughs> if you just look at the way the two teams match up, uh, they're you know kind of built the same without the fact that mm, the way that they both run their offense is the same, I should say. But mm-hmm. it's more of a couple of superstars on the Bandits that carry the load offensively, whereas in New England. It's kind of, you know, obviously you have Crawford, and then everyone else kind of just picks and plugs away there. On yeah. defense, they're both very fast. Uh, they like to get up in transition. They like to get up in your face. Uh, and the big difference, I think, comes here in between the pipes, uh, where yeah. you have Matt Vince, who I think is a no-brainer for the goaltender of the year. Uh, he's been, you know, you could even put him into the conversation for MVP potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and then on the other side, you have, you know, some question marks in goaltender. Obviously, uh, Doug Jamison has proven that he is the goaltender of the future, uh, but it's just he hasn't found that consistency uh, to steal games. But we've seen him steal some games. Will he be able to do it in his first playoff appearance? Who knows? Um, in the other game, if Georgia doesn't have Mike Poulin, do they even have a chance? Oh, I mean, from the from what we've seen, it certainly doesn't seem so. Uh, but if there's a team that could get into a uh, you know a, a run and gun last team to not score uh, when the buzzer sounds wins, Georgia's a team that has the capabilities to do that. Yeah. Uh, but I think Mike Poulin again, the big X factor here. He's a guy too. I mean, obviously, I just said. Uh, clear-cut winner is Matt Vince for goaltender of the year. I think a close second or the next guy up would be a Mike Poulin. Uh, we've seen some of the best net mining of his career this season. Uh, pair that with a, a young defense uh, and, of course, like I said, that potent offense. Uh, this is a team, obviously, everyone knows it shouldn't be a dark horse by any stretch of that imagination, uh, but this is a team that no doubt can catch fire and find themselves winning another championship. Out west, we know the four teams. We don't know how they're going to fall one or two between San Diego and Saskatchewan. But let's focus on the Calgary Roughnecks. Uh, a bit of a wagon building in the middle of the prairies. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and this is coming at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. I know I've mentioned before how Georgia's really picked up steam. Uh, I think that's just more or less them finding their way. Whereas Calgary, it's a fact of now all their guys are healthy. Everyone's starting to click. And it's just a perfect storm for a team uh, to roll into the playoffs and be a true, true uh, contender. I don't ever like not saying Saskatchewan's the number one contender in the West just because of what we know they can do in the postseason, the way their team is built. And uh, But after watching that game, how do you not have Calgary as the number one contender right now? The offense is just looking so good. There's just so many weapons up front. Uh, with Jesse King being in the lineup, being healthy, yeah. completely different dynamic to the offense. And Christian Del Bianco, I mean, what else can you say about this guy? Not only is he coming up with highlight reel saves, uh, timely saves, uh, but he's also a guy that, you know, at times looks like he's a sixth defender out there going out of his crease, picking up loose balls and starting that transition game. Uh, I, 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 Like I said, I don't like not picking Saskatchewan, but how, how do you not say that Calgary is the team to beat in the West right now? Well, I think when you look at the game, and I was just talking about this before we brought you on, that, you know, they, they started 
Evan Kirk, and we know that he's not, you know, up to his full potential. He's obviously still reeling from that lower body injury that kind of got him, um, you know, not at his best. So they're going to have to really rely on Adam Shute. But, you know, I think if they have home floor advantage, which they will, I think that obviously gives them a decided advantage. But you never want to count a team like Calgary out in that situation. Absolutely. And I know I've already said this twice and it just shows you how important goaltending is in the National Lacrosse League. But again, that's where a big difference uh, will be made for this rush team. If Kirk can come back, be at full strength, which we clearly saw he was not this past weekend. And this is not a knock against shoot because I think he's done a, a more than fine job coming in and, and being the guy right now. Uh, but to take your team to the next level, I don't know uh, if he has that in his game. I, I'm not saying he's not going to ever be a number one goaltender and he's not going to be able to take a team uh, to those heights. Uh, but right now, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. And it's not even like this is a defense that we've seen in Rochester in years past. Yes, of course, they've stepped up their game. Um, you know, Mike Messenger Kyle Rubish, they're having unbelievable seasons, uh, but this still isn't that championship uh, defense that, you know, teams are just petrified to go out against. There are some holes in this lineup, and they have been exposed at some points, although as of late, they've been much, much better. Uh, Lacrosse Flash's Adam Levy has a great article on Jesse King uh, on the Lacrosse Flash website. That's, that's a good read. Speaking of Calgary, um, you've mentioned – that Matt Vince could be in the running for MVP. I don't argue that. Uh, I am fully on board the Dane Doby MVP train. Where do you stand? I, I got to agree with you. I, I think Dane Doby's got to be the guy. I don't think it's a runaway, uh, clear-cut winner like some people think. Uh, I, I do think he's the number one, though. If, he, if you know, if you had to pick a guy right now, uh, he's the guy for me. Uh, not just. You know, you look at the numbers, obviously he's having an incredible season, but what he's had to do to get to this point, started the year off with no Dixon, uh, no Jesse King. Uh, you know, Reese Dutch comes in, and he has to build some chemistry with him off the hop, uh, and he's just stayed consistent the entire time. And it really feels like within maybe just the last few weeks, people have been like, oh, yeah, he definitely should be the MVP. Yeah. Whereas, because at the start of the year, it was, you know, a lot. Nick Rose was even in the conversation. Callum you know, Callum Crawford, all these other guys, and Dame Doby just quietly put together an unbelievable season. Yeah. And when all the you know the, the the dust settles, he's the guy right there, and I think he's the obvious choice. Yeah, I completely agree. The fact that he had no Berg, no Dixon, no King to start the year, and um, he allowed his team to stay in the hunt and in his you know, uh, a good weekend or a bad weekend away from Dane Smith or a bad, bad weekend from Dane Smith away from uh, winning the triple crown of, of points, yeah. goals, and assists. So uh, I think that's a, a phenomenal season for Dane. And I think uh, just talking with him, I think he'd be excited uh, if he was named MVP. Uh, before we let you go, Pat, obviously some news uh, out of the major series league, and that was that the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club will no longer be using uh, the Redmen nickname. Uh, there are some people who like the move, some people that don't. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole decision? You know what? This, this is a decision that kind of came out of nowhere, mm -hmm. or at least it seemed like it came out of nowhere, just being it's so close 
uh, two season time. And of course, obviously as well, there was just a small press release uh, sent out, really no social media coverage of it whatsoever. Uh, and a lot of people were very shocked of it because this is a, you know, a franchise that's been around for 50 plus years. A, a lot of legends have been through the system. Um, you know, man cups, Ontario championships. Uh, this is a very storied and proud franchise, but they made a decision that they thought this is time to take away that moniker, uh, be, you know, due to the fact that, yes, there are some people who think it's honoring, uh, you know, the Indigenous community, but obviously the Redmen have done, or I should say the Brooklyn Lacrosse Club, have done their due diligence. They went out talked to people in the community, uh, even went to Six Nations Chiefs. As you saw, they released uh, something on Twitter as well, you know, mm-hmm. saying that they, they did have some discussions, and they felt that they needed to make a change, and I think that's that's the right move. You can be upset that the history might be gone with the name, but times have changed. This is a game that's enriched uh, with that culture, and as much as you think it may be honoring uh, obviously, the people who are offended by the name don't agree with it, so they're the ones who really should have to say, not a fan of the team that hasn't experienced what they have to go through. Well said, my friend. Um, I wish you good luck tonight. Thank you. I will check on you periodically. Um, if I don't if answer... I don't, yeah, if, if I, I don't, don't answer... answer I'm, I'm curled up on a ball somewhere, <laughs> uh, on the floor somewhere. So. Well, fingers crossed they win so that we can talk about it next week. Here's open. Here's open. Thanks, buddy. Have a good week. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Thanks, brother. Thank you, pal. No worries, buddy. We'll talk soon. Talk soon. Have a good one. Ciao, you too. Cheers. There he is. That's Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter, at P. Greggy. Um, just... Leave him be for most of the night. Uh, he's probably going to be on pins and needles watching that Leafs Bruins game seven. Um, but hopefully the National Crossing playoffs will be just as exciting. We are just two weeks away uh, from those games getting started. And as we talked about, Mondays in Georgia and in San Diego, as uh, one fan pointed out, it's a good thing that they are on opposite sides of the country. Uh, That way we won't really get any overlaps of the game. So fans will be able to watch pretty much both games in their entirety. But Mondays just are going to seem weird. And like I said, when you're the second or third tenant in an arena, sometimes you have to just defer to what's already been done and booked. And when Disney on Ice comes to town or K-pop or Britney Spears or Bruce Springsteen or whoever it may be. The circus, as Rochester found out one year. Sometimes you got to work around it. And unfortunately, Mondays are the days that they worked around. And we are going to see two Monday NLL playoff games next weekend in Georgia and in San Diego. So it'll be... It'll be interesting to see how those games go down. Like like we talked about earlier, will guys be able to get off work? Will be guys be able to get two days off work? How many guys are going to be flying red eyes in or out of town wherever they are going? Because that's not going to be an easy game to make. Obviously, um, the game in Saskatoon and the game 
in Buffalo will be Friday or Saturday most likely. Those dates haven't been released, uh, but they will be earlier on in the weekend uh, while those other two games will take place on Monday. We all know that next year we get more expansion. The new Rochester Nighthawks will be an expansion team, as will the New York Riptide. And they already have their GM and head coach in place. That is Reggie Thorpe, former National Lacrosse League player, at one time GM as well. And then he went back to being a player. He's uh, coached in the Canadian Junior Summers, winning a Minto with the Six Nations Arrows. Uh, he's currently coaching the Syracuse women's team before he finishes that off. Then he will transfer his coaching repertoire back to the indoor game as the head coach and GM of the Riptide. And I was able to catch up with Reggie this week. Uh, we tried to get him last week, but uh, he is a very busy man. When I caught up with him, he was already in, on the bus nice and early as the Syracuse women's team has to go up to Boston uh, for their tournament game. So we wish them the best of luck, but I was able to catch up with Reg. And we had a pretty good talk about life, lacrosse, and his journey back into the National Lacrosse League. You are a very busy man these days. Where are you right now? It sounds like you're on the road. Uh, just got done with practice here in Syracuse. We're, we're heading out uh, on a bus here in a little bit, taking a little bus trip to uh, Beantown, Boston for the uh, – ACC uh, playoffs here, our, our conference tournament. So we play on Wednesday at uh, 2 o'clock. So, yeah, we're going to head out late tonight, get in, practice tomorrow, and, and then start our uh, tournament play. Obviously, you and the women's field lacrosse team have been having quite the year. How much fun are you having coaching women's field lacrosse? Oh, it's all right. You know, I mean, I'm in my 10th season, you know. Cer- certainly got, got to miss it. You know, the uh, the players are just uh, – we have a lot of fun. You know, we, we, we mm-hmm. certainly uh, – have a lot of, of, of box stuff in our in our the way the way we do things at Syracuse with, with Coach Gate and, and myself. And, um, but yeah, it's it's certainly gonna miss it. But I'm excited for a new opportunity in New York um, with the Riptide. Yeah, that's obviously got to be a great experience for you. How did that all sort of come to play? Was it on your radar, or was it kind of something that happened out of the blue? Oh, no, it was on the radar. I mean, obviously we've seen the expansion. Um, you know you know, the expansion team and what, what the commissioner has done and kind of the league and how they're growing. I just thought, you know, I mean, um, uh, it'd be a great, a great opportunity, whether this year or next year to, to, to get back in the game. And, and I, I certainly have missed it, you know, and I obviously mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm a, I love box lacrosse and uh, I'm just excited to, to be back and, and, and very fortunate, you know, uh, New York and, uh, you know, the GF sport guys gave me, gave me this opportunity. Has the name Riptide grown on you? Yeah, you know, I, I like it. You know, it's uh, it was just it was just cool. You know, we uh, you know the organization uh, put it out to, to, to the community and and uh, for the team colors and the, the naming and uh, so it was just it, it was it was pretty cool just to see you know the overwhelming support and, and that kind of stuck out as the one the community wanted and and uh, so um, it was just pretty cool to, to see that process. Obviously, you've had the, the GM role for a short time before when you were with Rochester. What did you learn from that brief stint as a general manager? Well, that was good. I mean, Kurt Steyer, very grateful for, and thankful. Kurt Steyer you know, gave me the opportunity when, you know, when he took it over. It, it, it was a lot of fun, you know. At, at the time, you know, uh, certainly learned, learned a lot, you know, um, you know with, 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 with Rochester and 
Uh, I just think again, you know, after the season, my first that, that one season I did, I, I think that it was just evident that Kurt wanted to be, you know, um, wanted to be in that role, and he and he did a great job with it, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I said, I, I I stepped away, and you know, I, and it was me, it wasn't Kurt, but I just thought, you know, he, you know, he it's a it was uh, uh, that's what he wanted to do, and I thought it was good for me. And then um, uh, you know, to, to to move over to the Gary Heyman opportunity to Syracuse to the women's, and it was a good opportunity, so so I chose that. You're kind of an upstate guy. You like staying in that area, don't you? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I'll I'll be you know I'm excited for the Long Island opportunity, you know, and to be in the community and and uh, you know really you know em- embrace you know um, you know the, the the youth, the clubs, you know uh, mm. both both on the women's women's and men's side uh, throughout the the community in Long Island and New York and New Jersey area. Absolutely. Um, how do you plan to build your club? Obviously, we're we got to go through expansion and all that stuff, like the draft and all that. But as a GM, what are you keeping your eyes on throughout the league right now? You know, like I said I, I said this a couple times, but certainly, you know, how the expansion has changed with you know teams only being able to protect so many front door guys. You know, it, it certainly gives the expansion teams uh, you know a little bit of opportunity for success early, and you, you obviously see it with. San Diego and Philly, you know, like I said, Philly's, you know, not in the playoffs, but man, they've been in almost every game, you know, and they're yeah. battling right, right to the end. So uh, we, we've learned a lot from them and just seeing how they did things. And, and sort of, we're, we're certainly, you know, looking at that kind of as a, as a footprint and then kind of adding our, our, our touch to, to what we feel there. But it, it's, it's certainly going to be a big part. And now, you know, a lot of strategy involved, especially with the, with the new rules of expansion. Mm-hmm. Do you lean on Paul Day quite a bit? Uh, yeah, Paul, he's great. You know, Paul, yeah. Paul, he's great. You know, he's, uh, uh, he's been, he's been really, really, really good to me over, over the years. And, and, um, you know, we, we don't talk a ton on the phone, but when we see each other, we, we chat, chat and catch up and I'm sure we'll be talking some there, but certainly, uh, uh, he's a great, great resource for me for sure. Uh, you guys made some moves, Adam, Brian Hobart as director of scouting and Jake Henhawk, uh, for player development. How important was it for you to get two guys, that you have a good relationship with in two very important roles off the floor. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a ton of good guys that reached out, you know, and, and um, re- really qualified guys, you know, but it, it'd be hard pressed to find a, a couple guys that, that, um, you know, that, that, that I feel, you know, really comfortable with. And certainly, you know, with, with Brian and Jake, I do. And uh, there's not just one voice, you know, we're all going to have a voice and having Lance Bassler, our, our assistant GM and director of operations. We all work really good together. Um, so I, I, I couldn't be more excited to have those guys on board with us, and they're just super smart, mindful, full, full guys that I think will, will, will really help us shape shape the, the team through the expansion, free agency, and obviously the entry draft. Uh, any chance you bring Jeremy Hollenbeck and Pat Kugavan on your coaching staff? <laughs> they're good guys. They're pretty busy. They're, they're yeah. chasing, they're chasing. They're chasing their kid, kids around, you know, especially Coogies. <laughs> yeah, he's got a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, those days when we had in Rochester in the early 2000s uh, were some really good days. Uh, those were some really talented teams. As a player, now a coach, Jim, what do you learn from building uh, a club like that towards what you have to do as a team? Well, you know, you, you know, over the years, you know, Jody Gage, you know, the the savvy vet Jody Gage, you know, when we were in Rochester, you know, and he just had a really good demeanor about how he, how he did things and approached things. It's really thoughtful. So certainly learned a lot from him and kind of the mixture of our team between, 
you know, American guys, you know, Canadians and Native Americans, you know, so certainly, you know, having those, those mix, I thought it worked, it worked really well over the years in Rochester. And, and mm-hmm. obviously it's something we, we, we're, we're hoping to, to do in New York. You're not going to be a, a, a true all-American team, but you do see the importance of having some young Americans on your group because more and more every year, there's better ones coming out of college. Oh, for sure, you know, and, and, and having, you know, working with the U.S. indoor team, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just seeing more and more of the Americans um, and, and how they do things. I, I mean, we're, we're going to be a mixture. you gotta have you got to have a mixture of, of guys, I believe, to win in the league there. But, you know, certainly I think there's some talent guys that just need, need to – need to be given the opportunity, you know, yeah. and uh, so we're, 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 we're excited to, 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 uh, to find some of those guys and, 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 and uh, you know, and, and, and to, to, you know, hook them up with, uh, you know, get them on board with a, with the riptide. The U.S. Box program uh, that kind of has started has done a great job for U.S. Box, obviously, but how important is your relationship with the national team? How are things going with that group right now? It's good, you know. I mean, we're, we're we we, you know, we we certainly got you know more guys than we've had in a long time playing some good minutes for the NLL teams. We had, you know, um, uh, one of our goalies, Goy Abrams, you know, start get the start in Philadelphia this past weekend, and we've never really had a, a, an American, you know, um, who started the NLL game. I don't think. I think you know Eric Miller was was he might have played a little bit there, but was a backup there mm-hmm. back in the in the early USA days. So we're we're just excited to have a lot of guys competing in the NLL for roster spots, playing time. And, um, you know, we're looking to, to have probably the most, most NLL guys on a roster that us that we've ever had with, with, with NLL experience, which is going to be yeah. huge, you know, obviously competing and, and chasing Canada and the Iroquois and also these other teams that are also getting a lot, a lot better. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, first pick in the expansion or first pick overall in the entry draft, which would you rather have? Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna find out the answer there, but uh, I think both are I, I think both are just are, are, are super important, you know. And we, we've it's funny we we we've, we got a call tonight on our weekly staff call and with with, with Hobart and, and and Jaker and Lance and you know that that's a question we've been asking ourselves there. Yeah. But uh, you know both are important. You know tough 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 to choose right now until we 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 dig a little deeper. Reg, always a pleasure, man. I'm super excited for you. Uh, couldn't be more happier that you got this call. Hopefully a Hall of Fame call will be down the road. Uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. All the best and good luck in Boston this weekend. All right. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, man. Hope everything's well. There he is. That's my good buddy and former teammate, Reggie Thorpe. Uh, he'll be coaching and general managing the New York Riptide once they kind of start their process of becoming a full team once he's done with the Syracuse Women's Club. So, again, best of luck to Reggie up in Boston uh, with the Syracuse Women and my good friend, Mr. Gate. Um, But the National Cross League Week 20 is here and it is upon us. Four games on the schedule, one Friday, three on Saturday. And really, as we've talked about a lot on this show, there's really only a couple of things to decide. Who's going to finish first in the West? And where will Calgary and San Diego go on the road? We could see Calgary, Saskatchewan, Colorado, San Diego. That would be a good matchup. I think that's probably maybe the better matchup because we all know how well Colorado faces up against Saskatchewan in Saskatchewan. Haven't won there in five years, I think. Although 
the performance that Colorado just put on display down in San Diego may prove to be costly and a life lesson of what not to do. So it'll be interesting to see how those semifinals play out, who faces who, who ends up where, and then the matchups. We don't know the status of Eli McLaughlin. Uh, he was out for Colorado, as was Corey Vitarelli. We know that Audie Stotts is done for the year. Uh, Calgary's never going to get Westburg back this year, so they're kind of right where they are. Will Evan Kirk be healthy? Will Mike Poulin be healthy? There are so many questions going into the playoffs that some teams, like Georgia, who's already done their schedule, are probably happy that they get this bye week and a chance for Mike Poulin to rest. Even though Dane Doby, kind of like me, was a guy that would rather just play 18 games in a row, no bye weeks, just play lacrosse. But everybody's different. And everybody will take that bye week when they can get it just to allow them some rest. We got no bye weeks after this week. We're going right into the playoffs. Divisional semifinals, one game. Divisional finals, one game. And then the NLL finals will be at best two of three. And myself, Brad Chaloner, will most likely be calling game two of that series unless there are a whole lot of upsets and the finals are in Calgary. No, actually, you know what? Yeah, Calgary is probably the closest chance of major upsets and hosting a game. But one never knows. We won't know for a few more weeks. But until then, we get to watch some great lacrosse. Again, the four games this weekend, all on BR Live. Toronto at Vancouver on Friday. Saturday, New England at Rochester. Colorado at Saskatchewan. Buffalo at San Diego. There will be some scoreboard watching from around the National Crossing. I'll be watching from the comfort of my coach. I hope you get to enjoy the games wherever you may be. Thanks to Dane Doby. Thanks to Reggie Thorpe. And thanks to Pat Gregor as always. Until next time, my name is Teddy Jenner. Find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossBar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We'll speak to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other.